From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're listening to The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Two names that should mean something to everyone, not just hockey fans, are Matt Petgrave and Adam Johnson. Who are they? Minor league hockey players. They were playing in an English hockey league. And Matt Petgrave, a journeyman enforcer, someone brought on to to brawl and to mete out physical punishment, checked one Panther player while he kicked his left leg high in the air in the direction of Panther Adam Johnson. Petgrave played for the Sheffield Steelers. And his skate blade caught Johnson right under the chin, severed his carotid. Johnson bled out shortly thereafter. They couldn't get him medical attention fast enough. It looks like it could be a tragic accident until you watch the video in slow motion. And as Petgrave checks the first Panther, he uses that Panther as leverage to get his leg high, his left leg high, so that he could slash at Johnson with his blade. Did he intentionally murder Johnson? Did he set out to slice his carotid? No. But the principle in law is that you intend the action, you're responsible for everything subsequent to that. If I fire a handgun at a target on a plaster wall and the bullet goes through the paper target and hits somebody in the adjacent apartment in the head and kills them did i intend to kill that person no but that person is dead is the direct result of my decision to pull the trigger it doesn't matter that i was only trying to do a little target practice all foreseeable consequences are the responsibility of the actor so at the very least the charge should have been unintentional murder. What has happened? The charge was manslaughter. I'll leave that to the legal authorities to determine the propriety of. What I take issue with is the media's reportage of the charge. Headlines around the world blared, man charged in death of Adam Johnson. Man? What kind of man? Which man? Any man? Was it a random man? Was it a man who was unidentifiable? Was it a fan who was out on the ice and took a razor to Adam Johnson's neck? No, it wasn't man, a man. It was Petgrave. So why the reportage? Oh, I forgot to tell you, Adam Johnson is white and Matt Petgrave is black. And that's it in a nutshell. It's glaringly obvious. It's story after story after story. It's even in a story about a death caused by hockey hooliganism. When the victim is white, Bygones. The fact that there were any charges at all, quite frankly, is shocking. 
But when the victim's black, doesn't matter if the white person adjacent, like Derek Chauvin with George Floyd, white guy's got to go to prison. We got to burn down our cities. We've got to have space to express our, our anger. The double standard is glaring. And this is why people are so inflamed. I addressed it last night with the double standard of Joe Biden having no legal authority to possess classified documents that he misappropriated when he was both United States Senator and Vice President against the law and kept them against the law. And we're talking not about a couple boxes of papers like Donald Trump, who was legally authorized to have those documents in his possession. We're talking about boxes and boxes and boxes left in unsecure places. Boxes in the Penn Center that had been moved several times since Joe Biden left the United States Senate. By whom? Under what security precautions? None. Boxes that were left in his garage in Delaware with his beloved Corvette. The double standard. Donald Trump criminally charged under a law that entitled him to have the documents and provided only civil penalties. None of the, neither of those two things matter. It doesn't matter that Trump was authorized to have those documents. Doesn't matter that the penalties are only civil. We're going to charge him criminally and make him go through a Soviet-style show trial. With Joe Biden, yeah, so he broke the law, so he committed felonies. Okay, so maybe it was a little treason because China was involved. But so what? He's a Democrat, bygones. Adam Johnson, yeah, it's a shame that, you know, somebody slashed a skate at him and it just happened to catch him wrong and he died. But, you know, he's a white guy, so bygones, especially since the player that kicked him is black. It's the double standard that has people so upset. And it's the double standard that has to end. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning. If you missed your favorite TNT radio show or interview, simply listen back when you want, wherever you want. Just visit episodes on the TNT radio website. We're also on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, iHeart, and TuneIn. Now there's no reason to miss out on anything on TNT radio. Conversations to inform and include. It's meant for everyday people to understand. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Recent reporting has revealed that a shocking number of hacking incidents have dangerously affected the GPS systems of civilian airplanes. And as if that wasn't scary enough, apparently experts have no idea how to fix this new alarming security failure. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Timothy. Um, just to be clear, we're not talking about one, two, or even three statistical oddities here this is crazy there have been over 50 recent reports of these frightening cyber attacks that have apparently altered planes in flight gps we're not talking about military planes either uh we're talking about all planes uh leading to what experts described as quote critical navigation failures end quote on board the aircraft that's pretty frightening more frightening still, industry leaders thought that this type of hacking was not even possible. And on top of that, they're at a complete loss over how to fix the now glaring failure in security. Since late August, they have been observed throughout the Middle East, particularly over Israel, neighboring Egypt and Iraq. 
In September, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Authority, issued a warning on the, quote, safety of flight risk to civil aviation operations, end quote, over the spate of attacks, according to Ops Group. That's an international collection of pilots and technicians who first brought attention to this terrifying news. The attack, which is called GPS spoofing, that's when a navigation system is given counterfeit coordinates, is not new and it applies to all modes of transportation. Ten years ago, a group of college students at the University of Texas bragged that they moved an $80 million yacht off its course as part of a school project. In 2015, a security researcher also hacked a United Airlines flight and modified its course as a warning over security flaws. But the tactic has now become so sophisticated that nefarious hackers still at large have recently learned how to override an airplane's critical inertial reference Reference Systems, IRS. No, not that IRS. That crucial piece of technology is commonly called the brains of a craft by manufacturers. One flight, a Gulfstream G650 from Tel Aviv on October 25th, quote, experienced full navigation failure, end quote, as its system had marked the plane 225 nautical miles from its actual course and a Boeing 777 777 endured spoofing over Cairo airspace and was falsely thought to be stationary. That's right, sitting still for a half hour on October 16th as well, according to the group. Uh, again, that's Ops Ops Group. Uh, before these rampant attacks began at the very end of August, spoofing the IRS was, quote, previously thought to be impossible. End quote. That's what Ops Group wrote in a November update, which added several more cases of spoofing to the already lengthy list. Um, let's see. I'm going to quote from them here. Quote, the industry has been slow to come to terms with the issue, leaving flight crews alone to find ways of detecting and mitigating GPS spoofing. What will you do at 2 a.m. over the Middle East when the aircraft starts drifting off course and saying position uncertain? With almost zero guidance, we're largely on our own to figure things out, end quote. Another aviation expert and former flight operations captain, Patrick Velite, warned that the current global climate, the pattern of attacks, began shortly after Gaza's October uh, 7 assault on Israel, is an added global risk. Israel also admitted that, quote, GPS was restricted in active combat zones in accordance with various operational needs, end quote, in mid-October. Uh, the, the aviation expert writes, quote, nefarious, though yet to be identified, forces are likely behind this, and the consequences could turn into an international crisis and possibly the loss of an innocent civilian aircraft in a region that is already a high-risk area near an active conflict zone, end quote. Um, yeah, so we've got a serious issue here, uh, Timothy. Uh, it's going to be no bueno if anybody and everybody can just start hacking planes, uh, especially if we don't know how to stop it. What do you think? Well, and that's the problem, right? Look, anything connected to the internet, unfortunately, can be hacked. And that includes military as well as civilian aircraft. I go back to Apollo 13. It's often said that we have more computing power 
in our hands than the NASA engineers had for the Apollo missions. And that's true. Computers used to be enormous things that required entire rooms. Data was kept on big reel-to-reel tape players, and they weren't quite certain about its accuracy. So for those that don't remember, Apollo 13 had a problem with their oxygen scrubber. So if they continued with the mission, it was going to suffocate them. They were going to run out of oxygen because the oxygen scrubber was broken. They had limited supplies aboard. They used the cardboard from a the cover of one manual, and they literally MacGyvered a workaround because, of course, the oxygen scrubber from the command module was a square port, and the oxygen scrubber from the lunar module had a round port. So there was some engineering not looking ahead and seeing the problem where you might have to take the oxygen scrubber from one and replace it with the other. So they had to MacGyver a connection to be able to use the misfitting scrubber and the relevant uh, system, which they did. Apollo 13 was scrubbed. Jim Lovell wrote his book, Lost Moon, because he was one of the astronauts that was supposed to descend. Jim Lovell had commanded, he stayed in command of the command module during the Apollo 11 mission when Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong descended to the moon's surface. So this was his turn, and it never came again. Jim Lovell never got back on the moon because, you know, he'd lost his rotation. There were other people already signed up for subsequent missions. So his book is entitled Lost Moon. But I tell you that story to tell you this story. The engineers back at NASA, they didn't trust their computers. They had an angle of attack coming back into the Earth's atmosphere that I believe was two and a half or three degrees. They had to hit the Earth's atmosphere at an angle of two and a half or three degrees, any steeper, and they'd go too fast through the atmosphere and incinerate any shallower, and they would bounce off the Earth's atmosphere out into space forever with no way ever to get home. They had to hit that angle precisely, and it was scary. We were all watching, the entire world was watching live and they didn't trust their computers. They pulled out their slide rules and they did every calculation, double check, triple check, quadruple check every calculation on their slide rule because they didn't trust their computers. I hear from my military friends all the time how young guys, even though they learn how to use map and compass, they rely so heavily on their GPS devices that it's a lost skill. They're really not good at it. That's particularly important for both our Navy and our Air Force. Celestial navigation isn't easy. Unless you're doing it all the time, it's a skill you're quickly going to learn, lose. And relying on a GPS device, while it might seem trustworthy, is just setting yourself up for failure if you don't know how to go back and use a sextant, a pencil, and a compass. I used one of the first GPS systems that was available for civilians. It was on my then father-in-law's sailboat. We were coming back from a sail on Lake Michigan, and I was piloting into the harbor between the two breakwaters. In the GPS system, it had me outside the breakwater because they used to scramble the GPS signal for civilians so that you couldn't use it to precisely target 
uh, a, uh, for example, you couldn't send a missile or some kind of projectile onto a precise target. If you targeted where you thought it was going to be, it would miss by, by six or 10 meters or however uh, much they used to scramble the signal. Well, anytime you put any intelligent device connected to a network, there's going to be vulnerabilities. And what's interesting, Adam, I'm really happy that this story is coming out because guess what else came out today? A Northern Georgia court has ruled that using electronic voting machines violated the civil rights of voters. It disenfranchised voters. Why? Because of all the software er errors. Voting machines are not supposed to be connected to the internet. And when they are, bad things happen. And that right there is why we no longer have election security in this country. We're relying too much on the machines. We need to get back to pencil and paper. Here, here. And to your point about the GPS accuracy, I don't know how many times uh, my Google Maps while I'm riding my bike or on my skateboard has me like heading right into a ditch. And it's like, oh, turn right 300 feet. And I'm like, I can't. You're killing me. Literally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Literally killing me. Thanks for a great story, Adam. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. You should hear what George Eliasson is talking about. Donald Trump's wolves. Now, we've talked about the Colorado case, the 14th Amendment case, and the judge has denied uh, the motion to dismiss. Now, if you don't remember, the suit cites the 14th Amendment clause banning those who participate or assist in the insurrection from taking office. And they're making this legal argument based on Trump's actions before and on January 6th. And when they claim that thousands of his supporters were creating an act of sedition at the Capitol. During January 6th, um, Trump actually offered to call the National Guard in. He told the protesters to keep things peaceful. And this is all public knowledge. This isn't a political action. They're trying to control once again who can run for the office of president and who cannot. War of the Worlds with George Eliason on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. Lynn Shaw is the host of Lynn's Warriors on TNT Radio. You can hear it on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But she's so much more than that. You know Lynn's work without even knowing Lynn was involved. From famous ad jingles to Broadway and off-Broadway, musical theater, 
to television shows, themes, etc. Lynn Shaw has been active in entertainment her entire career. But in 2020, she interviewed an author that changed her life. Her passion, commitment, and involvement with human trafficking began when she represented that author, who had written about her horrific experience at the hands of an abusive husband. After becoming immersed in the subject, Lynn's further research led to investigating more about the ongoing pandemic of human trafficking and child predation as national and global crises. Lynn's the founder and president of Lynn's Warriors, a 501c3 nonprofit organization committed to raising awareness and seeking permanent solutions to crimes against children and humanity. You can find out more at lynnswarriors.org. Welcome back to The Reckoning, our good friend, Lynn Shaw. Timothy, thank you. I am so happy to see you now and also hear you and be with you again. Thank you for covering. Uh, we will have a crucial and critical conversation, but one that the listeners and viewers need to know, things they need to know they're not hearing in other, you know, from other media platforms. They're not hearing a lot about it, but Lynn's stories and information is slowly starting to come out. And of course, the problem we're talking about is human trafficking, which let's just call it what it is, sex slavery. It's mostly sex slavery. Over a million human beings are mostly women and children are being held captive in Muslim countries today. Nobody talks about the fact that we still have slavery today. And human trafficking almost has become kind of a euphemism that puts too nice a gloss on it, I think. The, the reality of this is horrific. Timothy, I absolutely agree. Trafficking is, the word doesn't really fit what this is. Slavery right. is much more descriptive. I mean, right here in the United States, Timothy, we have more slavery today than any other time in history. And that also goes for around the globe. And I can't understand why the public, because it is dripping out little by little, and there are groups and organizations, you know, we are educating, we are raising awareness, we are talking about it. I know it's ugly. I know it's dark. People don't want to, you know, hear about it. Right. Well, until it happens to them or their family. But we must address this, you know, like we address domestic violence only came into the public eye in America, I want to say about 21 years ago. Before that, that was, you know, swept under the rug. We have to talk about this. And certainly with the advent of the Internet, which are into our third decade with that, we have to be open and honest and confront the realities of what's going on. But slavery is the word, human slavery. We do need to discuss it openly and honestly. And there have been wins. Just this past weekend, 14 children's lives were saved. They were rescued at the Formula One race in Las Vegas. And while that's great, and we're very happy for those 14 children and their families, the number held is in the millions, Lynn. 14 isn't even a drop in the bucket. We've got to do better. You know, it's it's the number one question I, I, I get, Timothy, on a daily basis is, you know, I, I can't deal with this. Oh, 14 children, 12 children, 25 children. We will take one child at a time, right. one person at a time. We have to look at it like that. It is too big. It is too overwhelming. It makes more money than the drug trade because I work with law enforcement and they say, some say it rivals the drug trade. I am told it has surpassed in 2023 uh, the profits from human trafficking. So we have to really, really get on board with this. And this in this age in America of defunding the police, no resources. Timothy, this is the last thing 
on everybody's mind. So we'll take the one child, we'll take the 14, but let's go a little deeper. Wherever there's a large group of people, remember the predators, the criminals, they are right. always 10 steps ahead of you, me, law enforcement, okay? And as they smile, wherever there's a group, it could be a concert, a lot of trafficking goes on at concerts, okay? It can be any kind of sporting event. They show up, they come in from out of town. So Timothy, I ask, does that mean the venue itself should perhaps, knowing all of this, and we have plenty of studies, stats, data to back all of this up, should the venue itself, should the organizations, for instance, the concert, should now everybody become more involved knowing this is going on to perhaps fund more uh, security, make more you know, awareness for the public? I'm beginning to think everybody has to step up more because again, in this day and age of defunding police, nobody has money, nobody has resources. We have to do, I mean, you said it, we have to do much, much better than this. Because I guarantee you, as you and me are just sitting here for the last couple of minutes, that's another 10 children have been put into this human slavery. And I bet my life on that one. I would too. And I have some ideas about what can be done after the news. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. Great news. The news. We have news. Great news. Great news. Great news. Great news, my friends. Yeah. Listen. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Elon Musk's social media company X sued Media Matters for America and one of its staff members Monday over an investigative report the progressive watchdog organization published saying Nazi content ran on the X app alongside advertisements from major corporations. Forum for Democracy Party leader Terry Bidet was hospitalized on Monday evening after he was hit in the head with a glass beer bottle in a cafe in Groningen. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's news talk, TNT Radio. Lynn, it's an open secret that the biggest prostitution event of the year is the Super Bowl week. And likewise, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, the World Series, any large event. And don't kid ourselves, it's political too. The Democrat National Convention and the Republican National Convention every four years, huge influx of prostitutes into the host city. Where is the media campaign? Where is the half a billion dollars that NFL gave to the phony communist front organization Black Lives Matter? Where is the armband? Where are the, the special uniforms for human trafficking? They need to recognize that they are a major player. In fact, I would go so far as to say that a lot of the people involved in those organizations are probably up to their eyeballs in human trafficking, human nature being what it is, and you know the size of the organization. You give me any organization of 100 people, I guarantee you, you're going to have a, a, a few people that use prostitutes and a few more that are pedophiles in there. So those organizations need to do a better job of cleaning house amongst their own ranks, and they need to do a better job of raising awareness for a problem that they are in large part driving. And why is it? Why are they driving it, Timothy? Because it makes so much money. Right. I don't like the phrase, but I'm going to use it. Follow the money. It is making billions and billions of dollars. And here's the thing. This is bipartisan. It belongs to no political party, child sex trafficking, slavery, adult prostitution, the whole thing, Timothy. 
it belongs. You know, these are human rights abuses. This they is are human rights every, abuses. I mean, everybody it, should be able to get on board with it, right? And they're well, not. Me, and they're not. They should. They should. And you know, I hate to sound overly partisan about an issue that is human rights related. It does affect everybody, and and people in both parties are guilty. However, however. Donald Trump did more to shut down and reduce human trafficking than any president in modern history. Just shutting down the personal ads on Craigslist had an enormous mm -hmm. impact. And let's face it, the Democrats are bringing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of children and women that are being sold into sex slavery by the cartels over the border. Every time somebody comes over a border, the border with a uh, wristband on, that tells them to which cartel they're indentured and how many years they have to serve. And some of them are labor slaves. Most of them are sex slaves, even the children. And it's, it's sick. I can't, you know, I can understand getting angry at someone and murdering someone in a fit of passion. I can understand being envious of someone and killing them out of malice. I can understand robbing a store. I can understand a lot of crime. I cannot wrap my mind around sexually abusing a child. And it's just, it, it sickens me beyond belief. And I can't even imagine what it would be like, like what is running through the head of these sick individuals. We need to stamp it out. We need to socially ostracize them. We need to make it politically kryptonite. But here we have Pete Buttigieg, our Secretary of Transportation, good friends with a known pedophile. He's backpedaling now. Colin Rugg put out a, a lengthy tweet about it. And Pete's saying, I don't know the guy, but there are a lot of pictures, Lynn, showing that Pete knows the gentleman very well. This ex-mayor, Timothy, of uh, College Park in Maryland, mayor for eight years, and very well documented, lots of photos with Nancy Pelosi and, you know, Pete, and also he and his husband in 2022 were at the White House for the Marriage Equality Act. And also uh, this Patrick, uh, he ex-mayor was also saying how he was being mentored by Pete, you know, right. uh, Judge. There's lots of evidence. Now, here's what I subscribe to, Timothy. See if you agree with me on this one. I was thinking when I was sent this link and we're talking about this story and I'm looking at it today, wouldn't it be better for Pete Buttigieg to say, oh my goodness, this is horrendous. This is a stain on society. This is, and give us some facts, you know, use his platform to raise awareness with the public to say, this is horrendous. Because after all, you and me could go outside perhaps and take a picture with somebody, I don't know, at an event. And we don't know sure. their history. We don't know their history, right? And I'm based always like on fact and proof. So I think it would have been better for him to stand up, Pete, and say, this is horrendous. Let's start talking about this with our youth, you know, with people. Let's start getting the awareness out into the public and use the platform that way. And he didn't do it. He simply said, or his office said, we don't, we don't really know him. You know, we took a picture with him at an event, blah, blah, blah. That is so wrong to be in denial because to me that opens up, Timothy, more doors for suspicion. It sure does. And if it was one picture at one event, you could still say, you know what? That guy was at the event with me. We took a picture. I didn't know who he was. But now that I do, 
and go on to condemn what's been going on. But instead of giving the blanket denial, when clearly there's a relationship, because it wasn't one picture at one event, it's been pictures over the years, it's been all the relationships that you mentioned. So where is the outrage? And remember what they always say, Lynn, silence is consent, right? It's even bigger than that. I like to think of all this as a wheel with a lot of spokes. Let me just point out, he had images, which we call CSAM, C-S-A-M, child sexual abuse material, commally known as kitty porn, but we changed this terminology about a year right. and a half ago. Everything's uh, got to be it, made less challenging. Well, but actually it's more descriptive with the internet, child sexual abuse material. We did it for the internet and I'm all for this, not kitty porn, okay? Children cannot consent to pornography, they're minors. So child sexual abuse material on the internet. That's the reason for that, but that's another program. But here's the thing. This ex-mayor, friend of Pete's, had over 500 images of different children. Now, law, law over 500, law enforcement was able to identify 52 of them, okay? He was given, now follow this, 150 years, a sentence, reduced 120 years. It was reduced down to 30 years. And now, because he struck this plea bargain, he is now eligible for parole in seven and a half years. I ask you, these are crimes against children, humanity. We need to reform the justice system when it comes to these sort of crimes, which are just horrific. And I ask you, where did these children all come from? This is lifelong trauma effects. And I can guarantee we don't have the resources in the United States. This is lifelong aftercare. This isn't is. something maybe they're, maybe they're 10 now, uh, Timothy, because I work with victims. I work with survivors on a daily basis throughout their lives. They are traumatized and we don't have the resources. Our United States is not providing for people for their entire lives, the psychological, the medical care. We don't even talk about the medical care. All of this is a burden on our healthcare system, which is always in my entire lifetime has been failing anyway, Americans. So there are so many things the media does not discuss and needs to make the public aware of. Because what can we do, Timothy? We, we're not going to stop this. Let's be realistic. But we can intervene so we don't have new victims. We can educate. We can make people aware. I mean, after all, there was a law passed in Congress last year that every bus stop, train station, uh, airport, they have to post signs with the human trafficking hotline. Or if you're in trouble. I think that's Spanish, fantastic. That's, fantastic. That's but great, guess what? That's a great first step. Great first step, but as I travel this country, Timothy, I'm I'm looking for all of them. Yes, I do see in some airports, and I don't see in most airports or train stations or bus stations because I make a point to look for this. So who's enforcing the law? Where's the accountability on any of this? Unfortunately, it's the same people that are keeping Epstein's uh, client list from us, okay? We've got to go, but I do want to call out Tether, which is a cryptocurrency I had never heard of, but Tether has seized 200, or they've frozen $225 million that they believe is tied to human trafficking. So attacking this from a financial system, if you can cut the flow of money, you're gonna separate supply from demand eventually. Anything that we can do to make this situation better, we have to do, there's no effort that's too small. Lynn, I wish we had more time. Folks, check out Lynn's Warriors, Saturdays, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio. The climate agenda is a national security risk. Where do you hear this? 
From Washington, D.C., this is the Morano Minute with your host, TNT Radio's Mark Morano. The climate and energy policies of California are threatening the security of residents. California has increased crude oil imports from foreign countries from 5% just 25 years ago to more than 75% today. According to Heartland analyst Ronald Stein, California is the only state in the United States that imports most of its crude oil feedstock to in-state refineries from foreign countries. California needs this oil for nine international airports and 41 military airports, as well as shipping ports up and down the coast. Meanwhile, Asia has 88 new oil refineries manufacturing fuel for California's airports and shipping terminals. It's time we recognize that the climate agenda is a national security threat. This is Mark Morano for the Morano Minute on TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. (laughs) Do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. TNT. Dr. Carol Lieberman, known worldwide as America's psychiatrist, is the host of Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com and the Terrorist Therapist podcast. She's a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness, a best-selling, award-winning author of four books, two of them on terrorism and two on relationships. And she's donating the proceeds from her five-time award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, oh my, how to protect your child in a time of terror to Israel when people buy it from her website, terroristtherapist.com. Welcome back, Dr. Carol. I join you. I join you in being both sickened and outraged by the support on both the left and right, quite frankly, of the terrorists who committed the atrocities on October 7th, who are blaming Israel and who are naked in their anti-Semitism. The mask is really off on the haters now, isn't it? Yes. You know, for years, um, it was never again in regard to the Holocaust. And um, certainly I believe that growing up, you know, it would be never again. And it's just shocking that, I mean, it's hard to believe. You, you, it's almost like uh, every day it's sort of a surreal existence. Is this really happening? And uh, unfortunately, it is. It is happening. I took a class in the Holocaust when I was in college, and our professor brought in a survivor, and the woman gave her moving testimony. And at the end of the class, she made us all come up and touch the tattoo, run our finger along the tattoo that was on her forearm. That changed my life. And... I think that's an experience that most people, and of course, none of the people on the college campuses protesting in favor of a country that doesn't even exist, Palestine, they've never experienced that. They've never been properly educated. They've been indoctrinated. Even Candace Owens came out with some unbelievably hate-filled rhetoric right afterward. Look, I don't know about Hamas, I I mean, about Mossad. I trust Mossad about as much as I trust CIA. But I can clearly see that Hamas is a terrorist organization 
that wants to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. From the river to the sea means genocide. Why is genocide all of a sudden not only acceptable, but the cool thing to be pushing for? Right, right. Um, yes. You know, what people don't understand in America, though, is that, first of all, terrorists, all all the terrorists, Hamas, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, all of them, um, they have been taught since they were uh, toddlers to uh, that jihad is the best thing that they could do with their life, the most honorable thing that they can do. They've been taught that in madrasas. And... Um, and so, you know, they grow up and of course this is what they're doing, but, you know, Israel and Jews are just the first part of this global jihad. In other words, it's committing jihad, but the purpose, you know, they've known this, they planned this for over a thousand years. It's not just Israel. It's not just no. Jews and people in America don't realize that, that, that all along the uh, terrorists have planned to attack us. And and so you shouldn't be complacent that you think they're just over there, you know, killing Israelis. Uh, in in Europe, for example, um, you know, they have essentially they're because they let in too many um, uh, migrants, too many foreign migrants from uh, radical Islamist countries. They are having what we're going to be having at some point. You know, our, our mainstream media doesn't talk about this, but there is essentially jihad going on every day in France, in England, in Germany, in Belgium. And that, you know, they're not stopping there in other countries too, Italy. Um, they're not stopping there. This is always their intent, has always been their intent to to come here, to, to take over the West and to make everybody um, uh, follow Sharia law. Well, that's exactly it. And uh, my position has long been, ever since the hostages were taken in Iran in 1979, I started doing research, what is this thing, Islam? It's not a religion. It's a political totalitarian doctrine of conquest. They believe that wherever a Muslim sets their foot, that belongs to Islam, that land. They've done it. There is not a single holy site in Islam that isn't atop a Christian, Jewish, or pagan holy site. The Kaaba that they are obligated to make a pilgrimage to at least once in their life was a pagan shrine to a moon god. Allah is literally a desert moon god, and the cornerstone of the Kaaba in Mecca is a meteorite. And yeah. the Dome of the Rock on Temple Mount in Jerusalem, that was where Solomon's temple was. Nah, no, but that's where Muhammad's horse's hoof last touched the earth as it took him up to heaven. You know, So they come up with these things. They've done it in my town of Syracuse, New York, Holy Trinity Church was desanctified. The, the parish died out because there weren't enough Catholics left in that neighborhood. The Muslims ended up buying it. And what's the first thing they did, Lynn? They had a big party with hammers and chisels, and they all got up in that beautiful Italian stonework. There was a frieze all around the inside of the church with crosses carved into the stone. They chiseled out every single cross in that building. Okay, this is a political totalitarian conquest strategy. It is not a religion. It is not about peace. And it certainly is not about love. Well, it certainly isn't about peace or love, but it is there is a religious fervor. I mean, they do follow the it's, Quran. It's, it's trapped in the cloakings of a religion. It, it, it's yes. what? 
It's trapped, it's trapped in, the in the cloakings of a religion. And they use our religious tolerance against us, certainly. But 87% of the people in Gaza support the idea of Israel no longer existing. And 70% supported the October 7th attack. So you can't even say, well, you know, there's good Muslims and bad. No, because even the quote unquote, you know, what we consider a good Muslim, a tolerant Muslim, they consider to be a heretic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, although I understand that there uh, might there's a, some hope, um, if it, if the reports are true, that um, the Gaza, the non-Hamas Gaza, are people are um, beginning to th- revolt against Hamas. I um, hope so. I mean, I don't know how strong that is or how many what the numbers are, but um, that would be a helpful thing to happen because surely they should realize. I mean, it's not really. You know, if they were thinking, they of course they would do that because Hamas, they should be able to realize by now that Hamas is using the machines, has just been, um, you know, has been putting uh, their weapons and their people, you know, the Hamas leaders under hospitals and schools and all of that. And so, so that Israel, when Israel attacks those things, because their intelligence tells them that this is where uh, the leaders and the weapons and so on are. Um, you know, then all the uh, Gazan people who um, who aren't Hamas, you know, are are being used as it's really a PR thing. I mean, you know, uh, first of all, to hide the weapons and the Hamas leaders, but also as a PR thing to say, oh, my God, look, um, Israel just attacked a hospital. Israel just attacked a school. You know, then uh, it makes it gives Hamas an excuse, you know, to be uh, to say down with Israel. So right. this is um this is a, a an, an increasingly dangerous situation, particularly, I don't know um, how much you're aware of this, you know, a new uh, wrinkle, <laughs> but um, do you know about the women, the, it's, it's primarily women, um, Gen Z and millenniums, millennials, who are posting things on TikTok. Uh, yes. They posted, so you know, they posted Osama bin Laden's letter to America, and they picked out just the uh, anti-Semitic parts, and um, and they posted that on on TikTok. They left out, you know, half of what he wrote, and right, what he exactly. wrote was just an excuse for you know for why he attacked America, why he was right, why America is bad, why we should hate America, which is exactly what some of the students after they what they've been taught in America want to do. So we now have groupies for Osama bin Laden, and beyond that, um, some are even uh, converting to Islam. Um, in fact, they're calling it um, a, a reversion because in uh, Islamic belief, it's that everyone is born Muslim. And born Muslim, if, exactly. Yeah. If you are, if you convert, you're really going back, you're reverting back to what you were in the first place. So now we have all these people, a growing number of people, uh, who have been taught to hate America, who are hating it in in this particular way, and um, I mean, you know. <laughs> Part part of this has to do with parents, too. Um, well, parents- it does. And I wanted to get to that because this is actually nothing new. We had idiot kids in my college campus wearing Che Guevara T-shirts back in the early 80s. And, you know, we told you, you know nothing about Che. What are you doing? You know, you're supporting a guy who is a murderer. Uh, it's a longstanding problem that universities have been. William F. Buckley Jr. wrote God and Man at Yale 73 years ago now. It's a longstanding problem in universities that they go there. They're they're indoctrinated by Marxists, by communists, now by by Muslim sympathizers. What's a parent to do though, who spends 
you know, works and saves to afford a college education, sends Johnny or Janie to uh, an elite college, and Johnny or Janie comes home for Thanksgiving spewing anti-Semitic and racist rhetoric. What do, what do parents do? Yes, that is, parents are going to be, a lot of parents are going to be shocked, you know, when their kids come home. I mean, they may have seen it in the news, all this is happening on college campuses, but they're probably thinking, not my Johnny, he wouldn't do right. that, right? <laughs> they're going to be surprised. Um First of all, parents of all age kids, you know, from kindergarten up to colleges, um, really need to pay attention to what's going on in their child's school. And they need to, um, you know, in the earlier grades, in elementary school through high school, they need to really pay attention. They need to go make, um, do a, a first step to uh, talk to the teachers, talk to the principals and make sure, ask them what they're doing to prevent this kind of thing happening at their school. And um, and make a, a an organization, you know, perhaps connected to PTA or something, but to to be watchdogs for this kind of behavior in school. And their need, teachers need to be fired. Um, kids need to, you know, need to be uh, expelled um, if they're participating in this. And in colleges, you know, fortunately, there's been some uh, pushback in terms of some people not hiring the students, you know, saying if you like in Harvard, if you sign this letter, we're not going to hire you at Wall Street. Right. So on. But there needs to be more than one man or actually some law firms have said that as well. There needs big to be donors have pulled out uh, one of Pennsylvania University of Pennsylvania's big billionaire donors has said not a penny more. Yes, that's happening. And they need to do that. But these students, even in college, they need to be expelled. And of course, they're using this as the excuse that if we expel them, they're here on a, on a, on an educational visa. And so they'll be expelled from the country. Well, good. Well, you know? good. Bye-bye. Lynn, I'm shocked. Shocked that you're calling for accountability. I'm shocked. I think that that right there is the solution to so many of the problems that we face. If we just had accountability, if we held people to account, enforce the laws that are on our books, as you said, uh, as a pre my previous guest said, there's a law mandating that airports, bus stations, train stations put up posters for the uh, child sex trafficking hotline. And mm -hmm. that's not enforced. You see very few of those posters in major airports. If we just enforce the law and if we just held people accountable for their transgressions, that would solve so many problems. Yes. And of course, you know, another problem is, and I've been saying this, you know, I've done my terrorist therapist podcast for years, um, almost right. beginning right after 9-11. And so, you know, so I'm always looking for things, what's the hottest topic in the world of terrorism for that week and what we need to be worried about or what we need to do or what we can learn from. And, um, you know, certainly um, one of the things that we need to learn from is the fact, I mean, a, a while back when, when um, defund the police started, I kept saying, Def well, first of all, I mean, defund the police is just a bad idea all the way around. But I kept saying, what about when the terrorists start attacking and we're not going right. to have any police? You know, and sure enough, I mean, there are going to be, I, I, I think, um, I mean, I don't have any crystal ball, but I would not be surprised if um, from Thanksgiving to, to New Year's, if we don't start seeing again uh, lone wolf attacks uh, in you know shopping centers, um, 
uh, p- places where there are a lot of people. And of course, during the right. holidays, there's going to be a lot yeah, of children people. lined up to see Santa Claus, like, like the Christmas market bombing in Germany a few years ago. Lynn, they're yeah. here. They're coming across. It's 159 countries that they've identified people coming across our southern border from. These aren't poor Mexicans and Guatemalans looking for a better life. We've been invaded by the millions. Uh, we've got areas in our country now, the United States of America, that are no longer under American law. Dearbornistan, Michigan, Minneapolis, the residents there all say they want to be under Sharia. They don't want to be under the United States Constitution. There are police no-go zones, just like there is in England. The mayor of every single major city is a Muslim. The number one name in Galway, Ireland this last year for the first time ever was Muhammad. Yes. And, and they're they're doing it here. It's a con it, it's a it's a totalitarian conquest ideology that they think everybody, as you said, everybody is born a Muslim and wherever a Muslim sets their foot, that belongs to Islam, that territory. They're definitely looking to take over here. What can we do about it? Well, you know what's so sad? It's not like they made any secret of this. They have been no. saying it for a thousand years. We just haven't been listening. You know, we're thinking, ah, <laughs> what could they do? And yes, they have put, you know, after 9-11, I mean, that's when I started really getting into this uh, because I'm a born and bred New Yorker. And so even though I was living in California by then, uh, my heart is still in New York. And so sure. that's when I decided to devote myself to, uh, you know, helping people cope with terrorism and warning them. Um, but, you know, um, we there, right after 9-11, uh, experts in terrorism were saying that um, it's not just these, uh, not just weapons or not just violence that terrorists are going to use, but it is to um, get involved in all of these places, you know, in the in the schools and the government. Um, right. And that's exactly what they what they did. And so we knew this at least 22 years ago. And how can you trust someone who whose own holy book tells them? it's okay to lie as long as you're lying in the cause of Islam. Yes. One of the sayings is war is deceit. And that's exactly what they've been doing. And yet, and yet our government, Obama and, um, and his little puppet Biden, uh, keep giving billions and billions of dollars away to Iran and all the other countries, you know, believing, I mean, how do they, how do they try to, they're pretending that they believe they know that not that you shouldn't Uh, believe. Yeah. They know what's going on. They don't believe it (laughs) for a second. Yes. You know, they say, oh, well, if you give us, you know, billions, we'll we'll, we'll do this and we'll just don't worry. We won't make atomic weapons. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll meet you there. I got a bridge in Brooklyn. I'd like to sell you if you believe that one. Lynn, we've got to cut it off there. Thank you for coming on and exposing this really important issue. I hope you have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Well, thank you. That's it for tonight's Reckoning. Stay tuned for the Havorye Moritz Show on TNT Radio. I'm Timothy Shea. Until next time, God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight.